0: Our first reading is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a notable task. How the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome and not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? First Peter, chapter five, verses one through four. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away.
1: Well, we are starting a new sermon series today um, called What Makes a Church. Now, normally here at Grace Church, we do our sermon series based on books of the Bible or portions of books of the Bible. The idea is that we're letting the Bible then set the agenda for what we say up front. But every now and again, we do have topical series. And we're going to be spending seven weeks thinking about the church, what makes a church, and its structures. Now, one of the reasons for doing this is that we're trying to restart our process of onboarding new members, and membership is an important part of of being a church. It's one of its structures, Um, but it's not just, um, there are more structures than just membership. There's leadership and and, and other things, so we're taking this time, as we're thinking about membership, to think about the broader structures of church that God has designed. We're going to be thinking about um, leadership this week. We'll have two weeks on membership We will um, speak about church discipline, as well as the Lord's Supper, baptism, and gifts of the Spirit. So all the good stuff is coming out over the next few months. Um, But today, we will be thinking particularly about leadership, leadership. Now, our culture has a bit of a complex relationship with leadership, I would say. At one level, we value leadership. We think it's a good thing. You can get a whole genre of self-help resources teaching you how to be a better leader, whether that's in self-leadership or, more often than not, in in the workplace. So you can get podcasts and books and TED Talks. There's stuff everywhere on it. Now, my particular favorite is this genre of YouTube video that you can find of leadership and leaders talking about all sorts of wisdom, how to encourage your team, how to be an agent of change how to create a healthy culture. And uh, hilariously, um, some people have put these videos, they've, they've put in the background, kind of stirring cinematic music as these leaders are talking, as if it's like a speech before going into battle on a film, and you just feel like inspired and ready to lead. Um, I think it's great. But you, there are lots of resources like that. And, and we, we appreciate the need for leadership, and where we have had good leadership in our lives, we, We love it, don't we? I think many of us can think about those who have challenged us, uh, those who have cared for us, those who have invested in us, uh, sometimes pushed us along where we didn't really wanna go and, and prodded us out of our comfort zones in a way that actually made us move forward in life. We're all appreciative of good leaders. But at the same time, we're painfully aware that leadership can go wrong. One of the things about leadership is you have unique influence and power and therefore a greater capacity to cause harm in certain situations. And we will have heard or even sadly experienced firsthand in some cases bad leadership or leaders who have abused their power. Just thinking about the ongoing police scandal that's happening in our country at the moment. Last week, even in Greater Manchester, a few police officers were being disciplined because of WhatsApp groups where racist and ableist messages um, were being sent without challenge. And you know stuff like that, and, and worse, it erodes our trust in leaders, doesn't it? It erodes our trust. And we know that leadership can be dangerous. <laughs> So when it comes to church, how has God designed leadership? What has Jesus put in place so that the people he cares about most, ordinary Christian brothers and sisters, are looked after, are cared for, are have what they need to thrive and flourish? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at leadership in the local church. And the primary structure for leadership in the church is what is called eldership. God gives his church elders. And so we're going to think about two things, who elders are and what elders do. So firstly, who elders are. Now, I think the word elder is a bit kind of Christianese jargon, isn't it? Um, You kind of think of the word, I mean, when I think of the word elder, I might think of some sort of fantasy role playing game where you go and receive your quest from the elders. Maybe that's just me, I don't know. Um, but it might seem a strange term, but it's a biblical term. It's a biblical term, and that's why we use it. And an elder essentially is someone who provides spiritual oversight in the church. Now, they are not the church's only leaders by any stretch of the imagination. But they are the church's primary leaders under God. Now, I've mentioned um, the term elder. Other terms are used in the Bible to describe what is essentially the same office. So in uh, 1 Timothy, you'd have noticed the use of the term overseer. You also get the word shepherd, which is another way of saying pastor. And that was in 1 Peter you'd have seen. Now, the Bible seems to use these terms interchangeably. So, for example, in in 1 Peter 5, it talks about pastors or shepherds who are to exercise oversight and who are also elders. So there's not a hard and fast distinction between the three um, in the Bible. And the expectation in the Bible seems to be that every church should have elders. So a couple of examples, one from Acts there. Um, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them, that's the Christians, in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. And then Titus um, chapter 1 verse 5, Paul says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So churches, according to the Bible, need elders. They need elders. So, who are they? Who are they? Well, at this point, I should probably address a slightly contentious matter, which is uh, here at Grace Church, we hold to the conviction that elders should be men in accordance with New Testament teaching. Not any men, suitably qualified men only, but men nevertheless. And our passage in in 1 Timothy that we'll look at kind of assumes that. There are other passages that we'd go to as well that speak clearly about this. And when I say that, naturally, in the minds of some, uh, it raises the question of whether um, we are simply being patriarchal or misogynistic um, and sexist against women. And that is a very, very important question, and we need to take that seriously. Now, to answer that fully would take more time than I currently have here at the moment. In short, I want to emphasize that this is not a comment on either the worth of women or on the capability or competency of women, not at all. And actually, women can and do hold very significant leadership responsibilities um, in this church, and and we see that in the New Testament as well. Rather, um, what's happening here is an expression of the fact That God has made men and women equal in worth, but with different roles. Now, if you have questions about that, and I'm sure you do have one or two, um, I'm going to be leading a few sessions on manhood and womanhood in the church next month. We're going to take a couple of evenings to to look at this important topic together. um, And there'll be a chance to ask questions and things as well. So look out for that. Um, There'll be more details in due course. but, gender aside, what does the Bible teach us about who elders are to be? We'll look at 1 Timothy 3 again. Um, I'll, it's up there on the screen if you can make out the smaller writing, but open up your Bibles if, if you have them. And in 1 Timothy, Paul gives Timothy, who is another leader and his protégé, a, a list of qualifications that elders in the church are to have if they are to be appointed And you can split up this list into two broad categories that of character and that of competency. Character and competency. So there are lots of character considerations. For example, an elder is to be someone who is above reproach. They're to be a life example to others. People should be able to look at them and see them as a model of godly living. They're to be hospitable. They're to be gentle, and that's a big emphasis in 1 in Peter as well, not lording it over other people. An elder's leadership is to be a gentle leadership. An elder is not to be a lover of money or quarrelsome. Verse 7 is interesting. An elder should have good repu- reputation with outsiders, that is, those outside the church, non-Christians, They should be able to testify that this person has integrity. So there's character. But there's also competency, an emphasis on competency. So elders have to be able and gifted in certain areas. And there are two that are highlighted here in in 1 Timothy. The first, at the end of verse 2, is that elders should be able to teach. A key part of their job, as we're going to see, is that they are to teach the Bible And so they should be able to communicate it effectively to those in the church. Helping God's people understand what God says. But secondly, verse 4, an elder must be able to manage his own family well. That is, if he has one, he should have managerial, organizational leadership competency. Now, I don't think this is saying that an elder has to be married with children in order to be an elder. Uh, Neither Jesus nor the Apostle Paul himself were married. But what Paul seems to be saying is that if an elder does have a family, he should be able to take responsibility and ensure that it is run well. And you can see the logic of Paul in verse five. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So you'll see that elders need both character and competency. One without the other is insufficient. But did you notice in that chapter, which gets the most airtime? It is character more than competency. Paul goes out of his way to emphasize character. And that is in contrast, I think, to some of what we would think would be the qualifications to be a good leader. Now, I found um, the other week a job advert For a high school in Manchester, I won't name which one, it's not this one, um, for a deputy head teacher, I found the job advert and I looked at the um, categories for qualifications, what they were looking for in their deputy head. And there were three categories, experience, knowledge and skills, and personal qualities. And it felt like personal qualities was probably the most similar to what would be in 1 Timothy regarding elders. And so um, let me read out to you in a slightly abbreviated form what this um, job advert said it was looking for in personal qualities in candidates for this head teacher, deputy headteacher role. So the candidate needs to be able to demonstrate high disciplinary standards and the ability to manage challenging behavior. They need to gain the confidence, trust, and respect of students, other staff, and parents. They must have the ability to communicate effectively in areas such as written reports. They should have the flexibility to respond to the school's changing demands and development. They should be self-motivated with the ability to multitask. They should be organized with effective planning skills. They should have a commitment to their own and others, continuous professional development. And they should have a personal commitment to the school's professional standards, including dress code, as appropriate. Interesting. Now, how does that list of qualifications compare to Paul's list in 1 Timothy? Well, there are overlap. There's definitely overlap, so um, there's both competency and character. So character, the school advert talks about um, the the deputy head needing to be respectable and professional. But the majority of the qualities relate to competency type things. You know, it's that kind of self-motivation, flexibility, uh, ability to communicate. And yet in 1 Timothy, the emphasis is on character. So why would... Timothy emphasized character when it seems like our tendency is to emphasize competency. Well, this is where I think we see the wisdom of the Lord Jesus in showing us what leaders should be like in his church. Because it seems to me that we are more wowed by competency than we are character. When we think about um, the key requirements of leaders, many of us would tend to think about their gifts. What are they good at? We can be impressed by someone's charismatic personality, uh, their work ethic, their ability to communicate that can engage and inspire a whole room. And that looks a lot more flashy, it looks, looks a lot more impressive than what might seem a quiet and consistent gentleness, hospitality, um, lack of quarrel, quarrelsomeness. And, and one of the sad things is that, you know, Christians make this mistake as well in overemphasizing competency to the neglect of character. And this is very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. And I think what, what Jesus is doing in his word here is giving us a safeguard against negative leadership characteristics. You know, there have been a a lot of church leadership scandals in recent years. Um, In some cases, high profile ones, pastors who have disgraced themselves and harmed the members of their churches because they've had affairs or they have bullied members of their congregation. In some cases, even abused children. But in a lot of these cases, particularly the high profile ones, one of the striking things is that actually they were very talented. Really good, very good organizers, excellent team builders, hard workers, amazing preachers. Some of these high-profile cases, they could preach the Bible better than I ever could. But the Bible says that all of that doesn't matter if there is not corresponding character. You can be the best preacher in the world but if you are not gentle, if you are not hospitable, if you are not faithful, you are not qualified to be an elder in Jesus' church. That's what his word says. What does this mean for us? Well, we're in the beginnings of starting up some eldership development here at Grace Church. We, we would like some more elders. But what we've seen so far means that we should not be in a hurry with that process. We should not rush into it. Even when we sense that there are gaps that need to be filled. Elders are to have competency and character. And so we can ensure that GCM gets the leaders that it needs. We cannot hurry that process. We need to take time. It's important, isn't it? It's important. So that's who elders are suitably qualified men of competency and character. Secondly, what elders do. You might want to turn here to um, 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's think about the role of an elder. Now, we've said already that elders provide spiritual oversight, but let's just think a little bit more about what that means in practice. Let me read from Peter again. Chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, do you notice here the key image of an elder in this passage is one of shepherd. We've seen the word pastor means shepherd. So here's the image. God's church is like a flock of sheep. And the elders are to be like the shepherds. I don't know how you feel about being compared to a sheep. I mean, sheep, they're they're pretty cute animals, aren't they? But not known for their vast intelligence. Sheep get lost, don't they? They get caught in fences and have to be released somehow. They need leading and guiding. And elders actually are sheep too, by the way. But nevertheless, elders are given by Jesus to shepherd his sheep. And that involves a number of things. Firstly, elders lead they lead so it's the elders who are the ones who set the pace and direction for the church and they're the ones primarily responsible for thinking about the big questions where is this church going what's our strengths what are our weaknesses what needs attention where are we weak now this is done in collaboration with the church family but they are the ones who take point In thinking about and managing the church's affairs they lead secondly uh, elders feed they feed now my mother-in-law has some sheep in her back garden and over Christmas um, we were over there and we we saw them and we could feed them some apples and so I was able to take an apple kind of poke my hand through the fence and feed it to this uh, this little sheep who very happily nibbled on it Now, elders have to do more than feed their sheep an apple a day. Um, They have to ensure the sheep are nourished with a healthy diet. And elders feed the church with the Bible. They teach it. And that's done um, through preaching at the front, like what I'm doing now. That happens in small groups. It happens one-to-one. But this is perhaps our most important task As elders to preach God's Word to proclaim God's Word to others to teach others we should know the Bible well we should be able to communicate it effectively we should be able to spot false teaching and correct it and we have to ensure that the church has all the teaching that God has has given it and the thing is with food some food is yummy isn't it and goes down easily some food is a little bit harder to swallow But nevertheless, the shepherds, the elders of the church, have to feed the church with all of God's scriptures. That is part of our job, feeding. Ooh, steady on. Thirdly, elders care. Elders care. And one piece of specific here, so look at verse two. Be shepherds of God's flock, which is under your care, watching over them. Now, you could think that elders would be a bit like a CEO board of a huge organization or company. You know, they meet in the plush office around a big oak table in nice swanky seats, thinking about the direction of the church and making big decisions, but not having any interaction with the other employees of the company, you know, like the receptionist, um, the caretaker, the junior staff. That is not what eldership is to be. I've heard it said that in real life, a a shepherd smells like the sheep. What an image. Because they spend time with the sheep. They know them personally. They're watching over them. They're caring for them. And so we as elders should be accessible and known to our church family. You should know us as elders if you're a regular here, or at least some of us. Elders pray for the church members. They have a sense of what's going on in their lives. They watch over them, not like in a Big Brother surveillance style, but as one who cares. The job of elders is to ensure that the sheep don't wander off spiritually. Because we're invested in church members growing to be like Jesus. We're invested in that. And so our job is to encourage and sometimes gently correct the sheep. In their walks with God, we care. And fourthly, elders protect. In the ancient world, if you were a shepherd, a main part of your job was to protect the sheep against attack from wild animals or theft from others who would come and steal. And so a shepherd would need to be ready to guard, guard the flock. And so elders are to guard the church family. And we do this in various ways. We guard against false teaching. We are the last line of defense between this church and it's slipping into false teaching and bad doctrine. And for us as elders, you know, the last thing we want for you is that you would be taught something false that would lead you astray. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be careful to see what is being taught in this church, and if anything false or dishonouring to Jesus comes up, then we are to refute it and correct it. We protect. We also protect the holiness of the church. So, if there are patterns of ungodliness in the way um, that church members live, the elders are there to help address that. And we're going to think more about this in a couple, a few weeks' time, when we'll think about church discipline. Now, what this means is because elders are guardians. There's risk involved with being an elder. When there are attacks on the church whether from inside or without, it's the elders who will take the brunt of it or will face it first. You see this very literally in countries where the church is persecuted. Often it's the elders who are arrested first or harmed first because what if you want to attack a movement, who do you go for first? Do you go for the leaders? And so being an elder means you have to stick your neck out for the sake of the church. That's what it means to be a shepherd. So elders lead, they feed, they care, and they protect. Now I hope you can see that being an elder is a good thing, and having elders is a wonderful thing for a church to have where they are healthy. There is a need, isn't there? for people set apart to be able to do these things. Now many of us hear of leadership abuses and we can become jaded about leadership in general. But as uh, Graham Bynum, who's a pastor down in Cambridge, says, the answer to bad leadership is not no leadership. And in the Bible, to be a sheep without a shepherd is a bad thing. Shepherds Elders are gifts from Christ to his church. Okay, finally then. Elders serve under the chief shepherd. Elders are given a lot of responsibility in church, and they're given real authority as well, but they are not the ultimate authority. And 1 Peter 5 makes this clear. Look at verse 4. There is a chief shepherd, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Elders are under shepherds. We serve under the authority of Jesus. He is the true shepherd. He is the true elder. And what this means is, elders know that the church ultimately does not belong to us. It belongs to Christ. Now, I have had the privilege of being a best man at a wedding. And on the wedding day, when you are a best man, there are a couple of things that are quite nerve-wracking. Perhaps the main thing is giving a best man speech. That's quite nerve-wracking. But another moment um, of nerviness is holding the rings in the service. So you know the, the groom will give you the wedding rings, and you have to hold on to them for a period of time until in the middle of the service when um, the vicar calls you to, who has the rings, and you, you share the rings. And so for this moment in the wedding, I have these rings on my person. And you know like when you're at the airport, and you're afraid you've lost your passport, and every two minutes you're checking your pockets to ensure you've still got your passport, which you checked like a minute ago. But there's just this worry you've lost it. I was the same with these, with these wedding rings. I felt such responsibility. Why did I feel that responsibility? Two reasons. Firstly, these rings were precious and valuable. Secondly, they're not mine. They're not mine. And in the same way, here at Grace Church, elders have to use our position with great responsibility because, like those rings, church members are valuable and precious. The Lord Jesus has given his blood so that you would be saved. You mean the world to him, you're precious in his sight. And you don't belong to us as elders. You belong to Christ. And so we have this privilege, but a responsibility of dealing for Christ's sheep. Church members are not there for elders to manipulate, to to use for their own ends or advantage. We are to treat the church members as those who are valuable and precious and who belong to Jesus, ultimately all. So, as elders, we don't run the show in the church. Christ does. And we only have authority as much as we serve Christ. Now, we'll talk more about how elders can be held practically accountable in future weeks. But chiefly, we sit under Christ's authority. We will answer to him Jesus is the chief shepherd. And because he's the chief shepherd, his eldership, as it were, is what our eldership is modeled on. And so where elders in the church are faithful and godly, in some imperfect, faint way, we get to picture what Jesus is like. And let's just think for a moment about what a great shepherd the Lord Jesus is. Just consider that, how he has shepherded you, Christian friend. Has he got character and competency? He's got loads of it, hasn't he? He's gentle and lowly, he's perfect and loving, and yet he is competent. He's able to save us and has saved us. His blood has spoken that, that better word. It's final. He said, It is finished. Our sins are dealt with. We are saved. He's sacrificial. He's not self-seeking. He cares. If you come to him with your hurts and sins, he listens. He's willing to bear your burdens, whatever they are. He loves to find lost sheep, those who are astray. He picks them up, puts them on his shoulders, and carries them home. He leads us perfectly. Even though it is sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death, he takes us home. He feeds us as we come and read the Bible and we learn more of him. He speaks to us of his glory. He encourages us through the scriptures and through other Christians all around us. He protects us. What does that great hymn say? He will hold me fast. It is the Lord Jesus who ensures that we will make it through this life into glory We see his protection even today in these wise qualifications he has given for leaders. If it was up to us, we'd probably choose leaders who are not who they should be. And often we are tempted towards what is glitzy and glamorous. But Christ knows better than us. He ensures that he gives us instructions to to get the right leaders that we need. And just think about the fact, you know, Jesus is our shepherd. He, he is a shepherd now. We we often think about what Jesus has done past tense. But it's not just what he has done, it's what he does now. He is our shepherd now. He's present with us now. He leads us in the here and now. If only we knew him better, if we could take in his greatness see, good elders in a church can only be a shadow of Christ. Only a shadow. But hopefully, by God's grace, you might be able to see something of the Lord Jesus in your elders. And yet we'll try to point you to the perfect shepherding of the Lord Jesus. Well, as we draw to a close, here are three things that we can all do as a church family. Firstly, Will you pray for your elders? Please pray for myself, for Edem, for Namdi, and for Pete. We're called to be models of godliness, you've seen that. But we are not on a different spiritual plane from you. We are weak, we are flesh and blood. We are sinners, we struggle with pride, we get scared at times. We count it an honor to serve this church. It is a privilege and a joy. But we need your prayers. Would you pray for us once a week at least? Secondly, would you pray for more elders? We need qualified people in this role to serve the church, godly men. Would you pray that we'd be able to raise them up and find them? And then finally, the third thing we can do is this aspire to leadership in the church. There's a verse from 1 Timothy 3, just right at the beginning. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. It is a good thing to aspire to leadership. Now let me just speak to um, men and women separately. Firstly, uh, women of the church. I've already said we believe that the office of eldership is limited to qualified men. But that does not mean that women cannot have considerable leadership responsibility. In fact, many women do have considerable leadership roles in this church. Um, We have women trustees, we have female life group leaders, pastoral carers, ministry leaders. So would you use your gifts and influence for the sake of the church? Would you aspire to leadership? We will be blessed by you. Here's one particular thing. Would you press in to knowing your Bibles better and learning good biblical doctrine? Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm aware that sometimes theology is seen as a bit of a bloke's thing. It is not. Let me tell you, as a male elder, I have been blessed to learn and be challenged by godly, wise women who knew their Bibles well. I've been sharpened and blessed by that. We need you. You can serve here. Men in the church, we've seen it is a noble thing to desire to be an elder. Why? Because it is a way of being like Christ. We've seen that already. And all of the Christian life is about being more like Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're being conformed into the image of his son. So for those of you, particularly those in your 20s and 30s, Would you make it an aspiration to be an elder in the church? Would you make that amongst one of your ambitions? It doesn't mean that eldership is right for you. It doesn't guarantee that you'll become an elder. But if you are a godly man, you will aspire to take responsibility to serve Christ's sheep. And to be a shepherd is a noble thing. So would you consider it? Would you aspire to that? Jesus has given us a healthy leadership model and a wonderful example in and of himself. And the more leaders we can get that are like him, the more blessed we will be as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the the greatest elder, better than any of us could ever be. And Lord, we thank you that ultimately your church and Grace Church is in his hands and in your hands, exercised by the power of your Holy Spirit in us. Lord God, we do pray that you would bless the eldership of this church, help us to have the character and competency that your word demands of us, to continue having that, to grow in it, Protect us from falling, Lord God. Protect our church. Lord God, would you raise up more elders in this church, godly men who would serve you? Would you raise up godly women who can use their gifts to effect change for the sake of your name here at Grace Church? And Lord God, where we are tempted to shrink back, whether as regular church members or even as elders, to shrink back from leadership responsibility. Father God, would you create in us a zeal and a passion for your name and for your glory that would help us to step forward and serve your church, whatever that looks like. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are a good shepherd to us. We praise your name. In your name we pray, amen.